Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Episode 36, Monica Lionel comes by the Prolific Writer Podcast and drops some huge writer value bombs. Let's do this. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is Ryan J. Pelton, your Prolific Writer Podcast host. I am so pumped up today to have you on the show. If this is your first time, this is the podcast dedicated to helping you, as in you, write faster, write often, and write well. And on the show today, Monica Leonel stops by to help us write faster, write often, and write well. She drops some huge, huge writer goodness, wisdom, advice, value to us. She is a fantasy and romance paranormal author and a nonfiction author who is dedicating her life to helping writers write fast, often and well. And I'm so pumped to have her on the show today. And it was such a great interview. And and what you're going to hear is some of Monica's story. And what I love about Monica's story is that she, she chose that normal, safe, route. You know, that route, that career path where your parents say, you know, you should go get a stable job, go, go get a job in, in engineering, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, go, go get a job that's stable. And so she ended up becoming a software engineer and, and doing very well at that entering corporate life and realized that she was always a creative and had a different thing in her that she wanted to express and write books and do all those kinds of things. And so you're going to hear a lot of her story and how she pivoted and became a best-selling author. And it's a very inspiring story. And she's going to help you a ton with some great advice 
on how to write faster and how to write often, how to write well. And so I'm so glad that she's stopped by the show. And there's one thing I'm, I'm realizing as I interview all these prolific writers from around the world is that it's just, it's not about just writing. And, and I know our, our show is called the prolific writer and, and many of you have come into prolific writer country or prolific writer uh, nation and have enjoyed the interviews, enjoyed the things I've had to say. And, and I'm so thankful for all the reviews and the kind remarks and the questions and the emails and the, the comments. They've been really, really great. And so keep it up. But, but I think what, what people are beginning to realize is that it's not just about the writing dream, but it's the, it's about the, the creative life. It's, it's about, making a living, making art and, and maybe not doing what the culture tells us is, is the normal safe route, but to say, I have a message, I have a story that I want to get out. And there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of thousands of people around the world doing this for a living. And and so I hope you're inspired. I hope you're encouraged on, on a lot of different levels, not just the writing level, but, but the life level. And I, I certainly was after this interview today with Monica So, hey, before we get to the interview, I want to let you know about something really cool that's going on, um, a free mini email course that I created. And if you go to the prolificwriter.net slash free, the prolificwriter.net slash free, I'll put this in the show notes and shoot me your email and I'm going to send you a five day writing hack mini email course. And so each day you'll get an email from me and and it's a little tip, a little trick on, on some writing hacks that I've found really helpful in my own writing career, especially when I've found myself getting stuck and not being able to finish projects, not even being able to get started. And I've been there, done that. And I still struggle with that. And I, I find these five little hacks. They might, they may seem a little different, um, but, but they're really helpful in getting unstuck and getting those words out there and getting those books written and sharing them with the world. So, so check that out, theprolificwriter.net slash free and sign up for the email course. Love to have you in there. And then let me know how you, how you liked it. Give me some feedback. Leave some comments. Uh, shoot me a text. Shoot me uh, an email. Uh, hit me up on social media or on, uh, or I should say, Facebook or Twitter, which is social media. Uh, love to hear from you. So... With no further ado, here is Monica Lionel. Welcome, everyone, to the Prolific Writer Podcast. It is my pleasure today to have Monica Lionel on, who is a USA Today bestselling author. She's known for her young adult urban fantasy, paranormal romance series, Waters Dark and Deep. That sounds intriguing. Uh, Monica started reading young adult books when she was seven, never managed to grow out of it. But she also helps indie writers, uh, indie publishers at Prose on Fire. Uh, her most recent nonfiction series was Growth Hacking for Storytellers, which I'd love to hear more about. And Monica, why don't you fill in some of the gaps, uh, with some of the things I missed? Sure. So um, so Growth Hacking for Storytellers, uh, the first book in that is called Write Better Faster. And so what it really is, is it's, um, it's about my initial journey into independent publishing. And so back in 2009, I did my first uh, first independently published book. It was a nonfiction and it was back before Kindle direct, um, the, the Kindle direct, 
program was even available. Um, so it wasn't published in ebook. It was just in paperback. Um, and so um, the industry has obviously changed a lot since then. So what happened was as ebooks became more and more available, authors needed to learn how to write significantly faster to keep up with that because it wasn't just people publishing books, you know, one a year or one every couple years. It became that people were publishing a new book sometimes once a month or sometimes even faster than that. And so the people who were succeeding in that environment, they had not only a lot of books, but they were really publishing books quickly. So I decided that if I wanted to succeed, and at that time, my goal was to go from um, my full-time job to making a full-time living as a fiction author. So that was my goal. Um, if I wanted to succeed at that, I needed to learn how to write faster. And so for several months, um, I was just experimenting with on myself almost. Um, for about, from 2009 to 2013, I was writing maybe like a book a year, even though I had like started to pull out of my job um, and pulled out of corporate, I had switched to freelancing. And so I had like more and more time, but I wasn't producing more content for whatever reason. Um, so I kind of sat down and I said, like, I have to figure out how to write faster. Like, this is a really important skill set for me. And in 2013, I, um, I just experimented on myself for about two months and learned, you know, basically the keys to writing faster. And I was able to go from 900 words per hour all the way up to, um, on average, 30, you know, over 3000 words per hour. So it was a significant jump for me. And then from there, um, again, again, I was doing like one book a year up until then. And so then in 2014, I was able to publish eight books in a short story. And then the next year, I think I published nine or 10 books. Um, and so this year I have, um, I published three, not, I know three novels, two novellas, one short story, and then three nonfiction so far. And it's like, uh, that was at the end of June. And so this writing faster skill set has been incredibly valuable to me. And so that's, that's where, um, the growth hacking for storytellers series starts. And then it kind of continues on my journey of like other things that were, that I found really valuable to move me along on my, um, my goal and my author journey. Well, that's wonderful. You sound like you are part of our community, the prolific writer community. We believe in writing fast often and well, if you want to succeed. And, and so, yeah, thank you for filling in those gaps. Now, before we get to that, I want to, I'm going to get to some of those specifics on how to do that. Um, but tell me when was the writing Eureka moment when you said, I am going to be a writer? What did that look like? Um, I think that it looked like four jobs into corporate. <laughs> um, so I started out as a software engineer and, um, found that, I had, well, basically I had worked very hard in undergrad to get my computer science degree. And, um, I had kind of planned out my whole life of like, well, this computer science degree is going to get me this great job. And so now I'm a software engineer and I'm making good money and I feel safe and secure. And I, 
never once during that whole process did I take into account, do I want to be a software engineer? I took in, like, all I was thinking was, what does society expect of me? What do my parents expect of me? Like, what's the smart decision? What's the logical decision? (laughs) And so this was kind of catastrophic for me because I was a software engineer and I could do my job and everything, but it wasn't what I was passionate about. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to switch to what I'm passionate about. And that, in my mind, was digital marketing. And so uh, I this was at a time when digital marketing was just kind of like Twitter was just getting founded in 2009. And Facebook was starting to open up like its business platform and that sort of thing. So corporations were starting to use... Uh, social media, but they didn't know how. And all of them wanted to hire like some young millennial mid 20 something to teach them how to do this. And so I saw that opportunity and decided to capitalize on it. But then I was like, how do I establish any credibility doing this? Because I'm a software engineer, like I'm not a digital marketing person. I have no experience in digital marketing. So that's when I decided to write a book about it. And so I wrote a book about digital marketing and um, I would start, I basically started applying for jobs and I would, uh, I had that on my resume and people would message me back and be like, oh, you wrote a book. That's really interesting. And so then I'd send them a copy of my book and I would get an interview um, for the job. And a lot of the jobs I was going for were um, like, this was kind of like this new thing coming on. So it was like, oh, we're creating this new position, like the director of digital marketing or whatever it might be. So I would be applying for these really high, you know, high level jobs. And pretty much I just had the book as my credibility. I think that's one one thing that, that people don't realize is why you need to write a book is for that authority, that expertise, yeah. even if it's just one or, or, you know, a few or whatever. If you wrote it, you're the expert. You know, you're yes. the authority. It doesn't have to be a bestseller, but um, right. I, I hear you saying too. It, there's something about writing that we learn when we write. I mean, a, a lot. Of, I hear that with a lot of writers. It's, it's. I, I write. I write this book because I, I have this problem and I want to work out this problem and really, or say what what do I really think about this problem or this situation or, you know, even fiction. You know, fiction can be cathartic. It can be counseling. It can be getting out. You know, the things you wanted to say to your parents, but you'd rather say it through. Uh, a made up story. Um, and no, I think that's really interesting. So, so made the transition from, uh, software engineer, um, to digital marketer, uh, wrote a book said, Hey, that's a great way to find, find work. Um, so what was it like kind of, kind of entering, making that kind of career shift? Where, where was the writing in, in all of that? Well, I had to learn a lot of new um, types of writing. So I had been doing blogging for a while, and that did that did um, drastically improve my writing. Just because, and at the time, blogging was huge, and it was such a great medium because you put something out there, and you immediately get feedback in the comments. And if you don't get any comments, you're like, "Oh, that was shit," and like, "I got to I got to try again tomorrow." Um, so I learned so much about um, how to improve my writing and how to persuade people. Um, of my ideas and even just how to uh, capture my ideas and explain my ideas through the blogging. Um, So then, uh, you know, got into that with the book. Um, And then as a digital marketer, I now had to take the corporation's brand message and figure out how do I deliver this in like bite-sized tweets or how do I deliver this on the website or how do I deliver, um, how do I deliver this in like some piece of content marketing, like a slideshow or a presentation um, or a webinar or whatever it might be. 
so I had to learn how to do all of that. And, uh, a lot, you know, again, a lot of it was just coming, it, it was the type of job where nobody knew how to do it. So you had to figure it out anyway. And, um, so there was no like real expertise to be had. You just kind of had to figure it out as you went. And so that was kind of what it was. It was just this very, like, it was like the energy of like cowboy up and like, just get it done and like hack this and try to try to figure out something that's actually going to work for this. So that's kind of what the transition was into that. Um, and it was, you know, it was really fun for several years. I think that's a, a really helpful insight because so many people, when they're starting out they're you know, I can't write, I, I didn't do good in English. I, you know, don't have an MFA. And, and then you, you begin to hear stories like this, where you're learning how to write in so many different ways, size, shapes, short, little, you know, tweets, a little blogs. Um, we've had a lot of journalists. We've had a lot of newspaper writers on here you know, that learn how to write fast through that. And then they realize, man, that really helped me write novels because I can crank them out because I, I just know how to do it. Um, how to, like you said, I heard you say persuasion, how to persuade someone, whether that's nonfiction or even fiction. Like how do you, how do you exactly. ma make it a story interesting? Um, so we're always writing. It's, it's a skill that's just so applicable to so many um, areas of life that if we just kind of stop for a second, I think we, we find, hey, I've been doing that for a long time. I just didn't realize it. Exactly. Definitely. So let's, uh, let's dig into, um, just a, a couple, uh, things that are very specific to you and, and one in particular, um, we'll get into some of your fiction stuff too, but, um, but I, I love the, the, uh, the book title, um, that you, you wrote, um, uh, the nonfiction series, sorry, I'm blanking on the, um, how to write faster, um, write better, faster. Um, there we go. And uh, you wrote a bunch of series of books to help uh, people write faster um, because you realized that was uh, a problem that you were having and you wanted to write a book about it, which seems to be the case. And, and when I saw that book title, I thought, you know, you're going to be right at home in our community. Um, what would be kind of a, a nugget of truth that you'd want to share with um, how to write faster? What were some of the things that you kind of learned? How did you go from, I think you, you said like 900 words an hour to like 3000. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, do you have some magic unicorn muse that comes down or, or how, how yeah. tell, tell us how that works? Yeah. I mean, so what I did, I kind of studied, I was lucky in that I was doing some freelance writing. And so, um, what, what freelance writing taught me is I thought that I was already a fast writer. Cause I thought 900 words per hour, that's like huge. A lot of people can only write like a couple hundred an hour. Um, and then I would meet these other freelancers who are like, Oh yeah, I found it out like 4,000 words per hour. And I was just like, what? Um, but with freelancing, it's like, you have to write, you have to write fast because every minute that you can increase your writing speed, that is, that is literal money to you. And so once I started to figure that out, I was like, I, I, I like need to, I need to write faster. Um, but what the freelancers taught me was that it was possible. And that was something that I think um, a lot of people, so I think a lot of people now um, in both the fiction and nonfiction communities, they know that writing these 4,000 words per hour, they know that that's possible. At the time, I did not know that that was possible. So they taught me that was possible. And then at that point, I was like, so I just need to find like how they do it. And so I did a ton of research on it. And what I found was, 
Um, there are really just a few things that kind of improve everybody's writing leg um, once you implement them. So the first one is that if you know what you write before you write it, you're going to write significantly faster. And this accounts for sometimes even, it can sometimes even double your writing speed. Um, if you just, before you write something, if you do like a quick and dirty outline of like specifically what that is. And so in the book, I talk about how you can break down your outline into beats, um, per scene. And so that, you know, you can kind of go through that if that's, if you're not sure what that is. Um, but basically if you even just do that outline, you're going to significantly increase your writing speed. The second thing is the timed sessions. And so, so many people talk about this and it doesn't even matter how long your time session is. Just the fact that you set a timer and, um, spend just that time timed amount focused on your writing and you're kind of like racing against yourself, just that mere fact of doing that is going to significantly increase your writing speed. So again, it can sometimes double or even triple your writing speed, um, just depending on, you know, how focused you are. So what I did is I, um, I learned this through, um, this productivity method called the Pomodoro method. And so what it is, it's 25 minutes of very focused time and then a five minute break. You do it four times in a row and you've done a Pomodoro session, which is about two hours of your time. And so I started writing um, according to these time sessions and my writing speed just started jumping like crazy um, and, and doing so consistently. And so then the third thing, um, so those two alone, those will get you like double, triple, like just doing those two alone. Um, and again, you can get into the details of that in like basically in write better faster. I kind of spelled it out a little bit more how to do it. Um, so then the third thing that helped me was dictation. And so this is one where dictation is a skill that you have to build. It's not, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. Um, but if you want to master that, that can also greatly increase your writing speed. Um, and that, and so I decided that I wanted to try it. And so there are so many apps online, or you can even just like now with a smartphone, you can pretty much just pull up your smartphone and you can test like talking into it for a minute and see, you know, how does this transcript end up looking or how, you know, is this like a paragraph that I could actually work with as a draft? And so you can kind of test yourself and see if it's something that would be exciting for you um, to learn. And so that's what I did. And I started to realize like, wow, this like really boosted my work count. So I was all in on it. And I got like a microphone, which, you know, the, be the best microphone is the really the pot, like anything that you would use as a podcasting mic. So like you have the Yeti, um, I'm assuming, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I like my mine is the um, Audio Technica um, 2020. So you can get a podcasting mic. And then the main dictation software is um, Dragon Dictate for Mac or um, Dragon Natural Speaking for Windows. And you want to get the professional version. So those, there's a little bit more to it. But pretty much if you want to learn that, that will also um, boost your writing speed like crazy. No, that's great. So <clears throat> Beats. Um time sessions and dictation. So, um, what I hear you saying too, is for the beats. So, you know, some kind of outline, you kind of know where you're going A to Z. Now I, I hear you saying, you said down and dirty, so it doesn't need to be, you know, 5,000 word outline. It's just kind of he going here, going here, going here. Um, I think people get hung up on the outline thing cause they, or they spend all their time doing an outline. They actually never write. Um, 
So is that, is that fair to say, I don't want to put words in your mouth? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So personally I, I do like to do, um, kind of the outline beforehand, but I, I think that, you know, everybody writes differently and you've got to do what works best for you. So I would, I would approach it like an experiment. So if you, um, have like your outline of like, this is what happens in each chapter, then you want to write that like, let's say you want to write chapter three and then you're like, okay, I just have like a sentence about chapter three. Um, at that point, it might be that you want to start, um, laying that out in bullet points. Like this person does this to this person, or this is the conversation that happens, or this is where this person needs to move or whatever it might be. Um, it could be that you want to do that right before you write. It could also be that you want to do that for all the chapters before you do it. And either way works. Uh, you just have to decide what is going to work best for you. And um, people fall on different sides of that. No, I think it's good. I, I think it maximizes your time uh, when you come to the page. You know, a lot of people listening to the show and part of our community are, you know, working full-time jobs. And so they have limited time. So they don't want to waste a bunch of time going, oh, what am I going to do? And, and we have others that don't use outlines and that's fine. And they're they're good at it and that works for them. Um, I love this Pomodoro method. Uh I've heard different, you know, words used uh, for it, but, you know, writing sprints or, or what have you. And, and we had a guy on here who, um, you know, writes like 25 minute sprints and that's just all he does. And I mean, he writes like thousands and thousands of words and it, it sounds counterproductive, but it's actually, it, it's just what I think what we're, our brains and our, you know, arms are able to do, you know, when we try to do for, oh, I'm gonna do for an hour, you know, straight, you get kind of worn out, but it's just that focused time. Um, and then obviously the dictation, um, I've tried some dictation, um, you know, here and there, and it is, you speak way faster than you write, than you actually type. And so you can triple your, your word count if you learn that. And it's actually, the learning curve is not that bad. Um, the, the software these days, man, it's so accurate or it used to be just a nightmare where all you did was spend all your time editing. <laughs> so, yes. um, <laughs> um, but, but so on the, on the 30 foot, uh, 30,000 foot level. Um, what I hear you saying though, is really, this is about tracking and, um, keeping track of these things. And I think that is what I hear a constant thread through our prolific writer community is, you, you know, you think you're fast, you know, but then you realize, wow, there's people that go 4,000 words and, or you have no idea what, how fast you can go. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's just so wise here because, you know, you're even thinking about production schedules and how many books can I write in a year? And well, if you don't know how many words you write an hour, well, how many books, you know, how long's your book, how long, you know, exactly. It really helps yeah. you, you know, be more productive. So that, that's really helpful. Thank you for that. Um, so let's talk about your worst writing moment. What, what did, and, and what was that? And, and what did you learn from that? Was there, was there a moment or, or a season or a time where you say, man, this was just a really bad moment, but here's what I learned from it. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Okay. So probably my worst writing moment was, um, I decided to, this was a couple years ago. I decided to line up all of my, um, upcoming releases through pre-orders on Amazon. And so you can only set them out like three months at a time. And I was like, I was doing this thing where I would pick like four days a year that I was going to release. And I would just try to release like as many books as I can on like those four days. And so I got myself into a situation where I had like 
just so many pre-orders. I didn't even know what I was thinking. It was like seven or eight books that were due on this one day. And I had them all in various stages. And it was like maybe a couple weeks before. Um, so part of this is that we, we also... So one thing that was kind of a blocker is that we moved unexpectedly um, during this time. And that, of course, take like moving takes way too much time out of your life. It's like months and months of misery. Um, so that kind of was thrown into my lap. But still, I mean, having that many books to release on one day is also just a, that's like a crazy person doing that. So what what I really learned from that was that I was overconfident in my abilities and also that um that sometimes thing unexpected things come up, like sometimes you get sick or, and so I kind of learned that I could push through, but only to a certain extent. So like, even if I was sick, I can probably push through on one book, um, but not on like six. And so it was just a matter of like really overestimating my abilities. And so it was very sad because I had to cancel, um, like basically if you on, on Amazon, if you cancel one pre-order, you pretty much, they pretty much will cancel at anything else you have on pre-order. Even if you're just like pushing a book back or whatever, like they're going to cancel everything. Um, and you're going to lose your pre-orders for a year. And so that's what I had to, I had to kind of humble myself and admit that, um, I wasn't going to be able to deliver all these books to the quality level that they needed. And so I had to cancel all those pre-orders and, um, and I lost my privileges for a year. And so it was, it was really sad. But, um, what I learned is that, uh, is really to, um, focus on one book at a time. So that's what I do now is like, I may have, you know, a couple pre-orders going, but they're spaced like, several weeks apart so that even if, or, or even like several months apart. So that even if something unexpected comes up, it's like, I know I can push through on that one book and I can still deliver. And so that, that has been, um, that has been working for me a lot better now that I've got my pre-orders back. <laughs> and word to the wise, if you are publishing on Amazon and you do a pre-order, just know they will come and find you. They send you 8 million emails saying, is it ready? As you know, you yeah. know the <laughs> clock is ticking and they will boot you out of the system. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, I, I, I tried doing that for just to keep myself accountable. And then you realize you said it perfectly. Life happens and kids get sick and whatever else. And, and you realize, uh -oh, yeah. now we have a problem. Yep. Um, well, thanks for, for being vulnerable and sharing, sharing that. And that's, that's part of being a prolific writer is, is just learning. You know, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. We're going to try some marketing thing or write some book and it's just going to fall on our face and that's okay. Um, and so, um, so let's, let's transition a little bit to some of your fiction stuff. So, um, and I will say this, maybe this is fiction and nonfiction, but, but why do you write, in uh, fantasy, romance, and then you can even address the nonfiction side, just kind of from your own. There's always kind of a, a story beneath the story of, of why those particular genres, and don't just say because they make me money. Um, but, uh, <laughs> what, what kind of drew you to those particular genres, um, even the nonfiction, like wanting to help other writers? Yeah, with nonfiction, I think um, I think there are really two motivations for me, like definitely wanting to help other writers. Um, and I don't know why I have that drive. There are so many, you know, so many people who are like, I'm just doing my own thing. And like, I wish I was one of those people like that would be awesome. Um, I, cause I think, 
Well, so I think a part of it, I don't know, you're probably not familiar with Enneagram, but um, I'm a three wing two on that. And so the two is like, the two is the person who like, I'm going to help you no matter what, like, I'm just going to like, I'm going to keep trying to help you even if you don't want me to. Like, it's that it's kind of like that annoying, you know, like that mom figure who's like trying to like, wipe your face when you're just like, okay, get off of me, mom. Like, it's that it's that energy. So, um, so that's kind of so I think that's uh, what it is for me. Um, the other piece of it is that the the books do tell my own personal journey and my own personal story. So it's like the things that I needed to learn. That's typically like what the next book in the series was. Um, and so that that's kind of um, how the series has progressed. Um, for fantasy, I do young adult urban fantasy and it's really just something that I love to read. Uh, most of the, most of the the books and the series that have changed my life have been young adult urban fantasy of some sort. So I really love the mortal instruments. Um, I, I love twilight. I totally get that other people don't, um, even like Harry Potter. I was, I, I am a huge Harry Potter fan and I was like really into Harry Potter when it was. Uh, still, you know, kind of coming out in series. Um, and then I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Game of Thrones as well. So even though that is not young adult, um, it's still, I guess it's more of a high fantasy than an ur- urban fantasy, but I, I still, um, I don't know, I just love the fantasy genre. Uh, romance, I think, um, for me, it was just, I think the simplicity of it is great that you don't have to have this world building piece. It's really just focus on these two character arcs and like moving, moving each character arc forward through the relationship that they're having. And so that that's what has attracted me to that. And um, all, everything I write is also um, a genre that I read in. So, so take us back kind of in the time machine. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up, what, what did you have a creative home or did you have a, a home full of readers? Um, how, how did kind of even the, the creative, you know, spark and wanting to write did that start at a young age or was that kind of a recent thing? Um, yeah, it definitely started at a young age. So when I was young, I wanted to be either an author, a famous singer or a famous actress. So obviously I'm you guys know what I am. Um, so some of the other dreams didn't work out, but they were all, um, you know, I did, I did a lot of acting and singing as a child. I was kind of, I, I always, I don't know. I liked attention. I liked getting in front of people. Um, I liked kind of being in the spotlight in that sense. Um, I actually, so I can't say that, I, I, I would have to say that I was the odd one out in my family. Um, both of my parents are in the military, and we actually lived overseas for a good portion of my life. So we lived on Guam um, for six years, two two or three different tours, I think three different tours. And then we lived on, uh, we lived in Germany. I was born in Germany at um near Ramstein Air Force Base. Um, and we, we did two different tours there and, you know, we did some tours in the U S. So like I was constantly moving, uh, with my family and, um, and then even, I don't know if people know this, but living overseas, it's like you're living on a base basically. And like half the people turn over almost every year. So, um, I had a lot of friends, but like, those friends also left like pretty quickly. Um, and so there, it was always kind of like new people. Um, so yeah, growing up, growing up as a military kid was just, 
it was very, it's kind of the opposite of the creative life. So I think sometimes kids want to do what their parents did and they, you know, they kind of go that route. And then the other half of kids, like they completely rebel against whatever their parents did. So I would say that, uh, you know, I, I was always an artist and a creative and, um, in high school, I somehow got it into my mind that like, I needed to be like successful and I had to take this software engineering path. Um, and I kind of ignored that childhood dream of mine that, and like ignored who I actually was, which was always a creative. And I was always meant for this creative life, but I really wanted to like make, make people proud of me and like, you know, make the smart decisions and be logical and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up on that weird roller coaster. Well, that's great. And I heard you say earlier too, in your story that, you know, that we do typically tend to pick, you know, kind of what our parents, you know, or what's rational or what makes sense, or it's about stability or money. And, um, and, and yet I, I think we're living in this really exciting time where, you know, creatives can, can make a good living and, it is an option. And, you know, with, with the internet, I mean, that's really opened up the doors and indie publishing. And, um, I mean, it's just limitless. And, and I think that's exciting because, you know, I think even me as a dad of four, you know, I'm going to have those conversations someday and, and say, Hey, there's, there's other options than just the, the stable, you know, engineering job or, you know, lawyer, doctor, whatever, but, um, but whatever they're, they're built to do. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Um, so if you're on a, on a desert Island, give us one, um, and it can't be your own book. I'm sorry, but, um, one fantasy book that someone needs to pick up. Um, don't say Harry Potter cause most people on the earth know what Harry Potter is. Um, <laughs> and then give us one kind of nonfiction related to craft related to business that people have to read. So, um, uh, for the fiction side, this isn't, it's not fantasy, but it is a, it's, it's a section of fantasy, I guess. So when I was a kid, I really loved this book called The Girl with the Silver Eyes. And I feel like it's so, it's such an underrated book. Um, and I, I feel like the people who have read it, they like love it and are um, really into it. And then for some reason, like a lot of people just have never heard of this book. Uh, so I, I would definitely recommend that. I think it's a great book. Um, on the nonfiction side, I, um, I don't know. I'd probably bring a Tim Ferriss book. Um, I just think that, uh, so a, a part of the reason is because, um, I think that he tends to put a lot of topics together. Um, so he'll like every chapter is about like this different aspect of whatever his, you know, his main topic is. Um, so I really loved his mo- most recent book. It's called, um, tools of the Titans. And so he basically just took his podcast and he took like all these incredible, 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 uh, people that he has interviewed and he kind of broke down some of their very best advice. And so, I mean, it's just like 500 pages full of like the best of the best of human knowledge almost, um, or at least like entrepreneurial knowledge. So I think he, I think he goes through like business, maybe like life and, um, health or, or there's like three main topics. Um, and, I, I just think it's like such an incredible wealth of knowledge. Um, the, the other nonfiction book I would bring would be like a survival book. Cause I, I do like the pragmatic choice and I would definitely want to, uh, try to figure out how to like build a kayak or something and get that off of that Island. Very smart. Very smart. Well, thanks for sharing those recommendations. I, I think people are always looking for good books to, you know, obviously we want to read readers, you know, 
um, whether that's fiction and or nonfiction. Do you know the the um, author of Girl with Silver Eyes? Oh, I I don't know right okay. now. I'll, yeah. uh, I'll I'll Google it and cool. Amazon it. Amazon <laughs> it. In the show notes. <laughs> um, so, what are you um, most excited about right now um, in your life, in your career, in the writing community? Share a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, so I've been working on the pros on fire brand for about five, the past five years. Um, and so my work is actually really evolving in terms of how I can help writers. And so, um, I've launched this new brand called the world needs your book. Um, and it's at the world needs your book.com. Um, and I'm super excited about it because it's just this, um, it kind of moves away from the, um, like how do you make a full-time living at this, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that is so important to, um, I think, uh, I think it's so important because it gives you, you know, the person and their family, um, just this financial freedom. It gives them freedom from their work. It gives them freedom to pursue their passion. It's like such an important thing. You really have to free yourself, um, through your passion. I think that's incredibly important. Um, so this new brand is, um, it's focused less on like the money piece and focus more on like, how can you write a book that, um, increases your platform or, um, impacts the world. And so it's really this more like outward facing type of message. And so I'm super excited about it because I think there are so many people who have a book inside them and they don't necessarily want to quit their job or they don't, you know, and, and, they maybe want to build on their job or build on their business. They don't want to be, you know, a full-time author necessarily. And so, um, just, you know, having the two brands and kind of, um, expanding, integrating, like all of that has been really exciting for me, uh, just in the past like month. So well, that sounds exciting. Uh, I, yeah. I love that, that idea. Um, I, I talk a lot about that too is, is, you know, there's more than just money. I think there's a lot of people trying to just, you know, get rich quick and think that's the way, but, um, but there's something with a book and a book, you know, I, I, I talk about this too. It, it sticks with you generations after you're gone and, and you um, know, leaving that for the world, leaving that for your kids, leaving that for your family to find it and say, you know, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think it's so important and I think that's a important message that you're, you're sharing. So that's great. I'll put that in the, in the show notes too. Um, so you are, um, working in a, Let's see. I shouldn't say working. You're you're living in a fantasy world, maybe a world that you made up in a book, and you happen upon this microphone, and this microphone is live, and you pick up the microphone and realize that this microphone can speak to the entire universe. What would you want to say to the prolific writer community? What truths would you want to lay down as far as being a prolific writer? Oh gosh, that's such a big one. Um, I think, so I think what I would say is that, um, one of the most important things you can do with your writing is contribute value to the world. Um, and I think this is so important. So this kind of goes along with the world needs your book. It's all about, um, having an impactful story or a message and sharing that. Um, and we all have, um, impactful messages. We all have impactful stories and we're kind of getting that, you know, we get that through our lives, but actually, um, putting that out there and, uh, putting it into this beautiful container that others can pick up and like hold in their hands and like read it, read at night. And you're like literally trans transferring your knowledge to somebody. Um, it's the best way. It's the best like file share that, or one of the best file shares that we have available to us today. 
Um, so value is so important. Um, and I think a lot of us think of the value that we can receive, but I, I'd love to turn that and think, say, think of the value that you are giving to the world with your book. Um, and I think that when people shift their mindset to that value, a lot of the fears and limiting beliefs that we have can fall away. So a lot of us are stuck in kind of this ego side of the book writing. So it's like, I don't feel good enough. Like that does seem like a insult, but it's also like, well, that is kind of your ego because you're saying you're saying that the way you feel is more important than delivering that value to the world. And so if you can shift from this idea of ego to service, or if you can shift from like, what value am I receiving to what value can I give? You just gain a lot of confidence. You gain a lot of ability to break through any of those fears you have. So if you're like, um, I'm too tired to work tonight, for example, it might be like, okay, what value can I give to the world? Um, is it, can I, can I give eight minutes of value, you know, eight minutes of writing or eight minutes of value to the world instead of focusing on like what I need or what I feel and can I shift to that? And so, um, that's something that has really helped me basically is to think of like, how can I contribute what is my real mission? What is my real why? And then I can push through a lot of things. Like, for example, going on a podcast and talking to people. Um, that used to be a huge fear of mine. I was terrified of it. And uh, then someone invited me on their podcast and I was like, I don't really want to do this. But, um, you know, maybe maybe someone listening can learn from it. And so then I started doing the podcast and it was like I had to set my own ego aside almost and my own fears aside to be able to deliver that message that then was able to help the people listening. So it's just something to think about as you're writing. And um, anytime you're feeling fear, just think like, am I, am I stuck in my ego or am I thinking of the value I can deliver? That's great. I think that's, that's huge. Cause I think that's what keeps people from writing is they, they just think of this as my thing. You know, I have to finish it, but we don't think about, you know, what, it's going to do, how it's going to affect other people, how it's going to help other people. I mean, some of the gr the greatest um, compliments I, I've gotten and others have gotten is, I mean, just simple things like, hey, thanks for writing that that story because I was in a hospital room and it helped me get yeah. through the night, you know, and it was just yeah. a diversion. I mean, that seems like a silly thing, but you're like, for that no. person, that, I mean, I don't think about that when I'm writing usually. Um, but, right. you know, or that nonfiction book, Hey, that really helped me and, and, you know, helped our leadership team with something, you know, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, this is a powerful message, Monica. I just pray you'll, you'll keep, uh, keep shouting that and, uh, teaching that. And, and that's going to help a lot of writers. Um, just kind of another way of thinking about why they do what they do. Um, and, and really good. So, um, so as we, we kind of wrap up here, I want to be sensitive to your time. Um, where can people find you? What's the, where's the best place to find you? And, uh, and what do you have coming out soon? Uh, yeah, so you can find me at um, theworldneedsyourbook.com. Uh, you can also go to prosonfire.com. Um, prosonfire.com is a great site for um, like either fiction authors or um, or career nonfiction authors. If you're looking for more of like you just want to write a book or two, um, theworldneedsyourbook.com is probably the better place for you. Um, and if you're interested in the Growth Hacking for Storyteller series, that series is at prosonfire.com slash ghh. 
HFS or for growth hacking for storytellers. And that will take you directly to Amazon and you'll be able to see all the books. Um, they're in ebook, print and audio book for the most part. Um, and that that's just, you can learn more about me and my journey. You can learn more about writing faster, um, all sorts of stuff there. Great. Well, a lot of great stuff. Thanks for uh, coming on today. You're going to help a lot of people. Thanks for what you do. You're going to help a lot of people through uh, the world needs your book and, and all the work you've done. So keep, keep at it. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation, Monica Lionel dropping some huge writerly valuable bombs. A couple takeaways for me, and I, I hope you caught the, and, and this was really a, a big one for me is three little things. I don't know if you, you guys caught that, but one is keep track of your word, word count, really helpful practice. So you know how many words you're writing, you can figure out how much production you can do. I think sometimes we, we don't, we think we're fast and other times we realize we're not. So keep track, try the Pomodoro method, short little writing burst, 25 minutes or so. A uh, great, effective way to write faster. I know many, many prolific writers are doing that. Try it out. See how it works for you. And then lastly, try dictation. See what that's like. I, I've dictated a few books, um, and I've kind of gone in and out of that, and I find it a great way. It actually, one of the cool things about dictation is you can write three times faster than what you typically can type. But also, it gives your arms and back and and body a rest from typing all the time. And so try out dictation. Uh, go listen to Monica's little advice. I'll put those resources in the show notes and thank you, Monica, for coming by the show. You helped a lot of people. I hope you got tremendous value from this episode of the prolific writer podcast. Go check out the free email course, the prolific slash free. Get that rolling, get unstuck and Hey, prolific writer nation, go and get writing. I'll see you really, really soon.